following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. How we doing tonight, Christian Life Austin? Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are in the best place to be on a Wednesday night in South Austin. You're at Christian Life Austin, and what an honor to be with you in the house, and I want to say something. I know that Jason is going to watch this video later, and it's kind of interesting to me how God works. I don't believe he sends things like this, but he does use them, and we're in the middle of a series that we've called Audacious Faith, and Patty sent to our staff text thread. She said, isn't it interesting that God is calling us to have audacious faith right now? So Jason, this sermon, this message, I can't wait for you to watch it. But what a time to be alive. I got to tell you, I'm fired up and I'm fired up simply for this one reason, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And while there's craziness in the world right now, there's things that are going on, there's things that are happening. I just believe there's no greater time to be a part of the kingdom of God than right now. And I'm honored to get to stand on this stage. And I'll tell you this, this is my heartbeat. I don't care if I'm preaching to 10 junior high snotty-nosed kids or preaching to 10,000 people. It's an honor to share the gospel. And I love to stand before you and share the goodness of God. I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Bible says this, we're saved through the foolishness of preaching. So Paul said, some might be more foolish than others. Come on, somebody. But we are saved through the foolishness of preaching. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach the gospel and present the gospel because there's something that happens. There's something that happens when the word is preached. There's something that maybe we can't explain, but it touches our heart. It challenges us. It changes us. We're inspired. And I pray that after tonight, you're inspired to have just a little bit more audacious faith. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, a scripture that if you've been in church, you've heard it many times, uh, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I like this other version from the message that says, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Jesus, in your name, we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace. I just pray that in this moment right now that we would begin to open up our hearts and open up our minds to receive what you want to give us here tonight. God, I I pray that we won't be the same after tonight, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. So this is part three of audacious faith. And we just believe during this season at Christian Life Austin that God is calling us to believe in some bigger things. That God is calling us to believe big, to hope big, to have faith in a cause that is greater than our own, to believe in a savior that is greater than our own, and to believe that Jesus is who he says that he is and that he's gonna do what he said he will do. And we base this series on the story of Joshua in the valley of Agilon. And it's the story where the Israelites are fighting against the Amorites. And Joshua was in the middle of the battle. 
He was in the middle of the war. He was in the middle of the fight. And he needed the sun to stand still. So in the middle of the battle, he prayed an audacious prayer. A prayer that went against the laws of nature that God himself had designed. A prayer that went against reality. A prayer that, to be quite honest, was a lot of things. It was ridiculous, it was bold, it was crazy, it was optimistic to put it lightly, and for a lack of better terms, it was a Hail Mary. Now all I know is Hail Mary to be is a sports term. If you're not familiar with it, here's what it is. It's the end of the game, you're throwing the ball as far as you can and hoping on a last chance prayer that you score a touchdown. This is what that was, except the field was a 1,000 yards long and the other team had 100 players on the field. It was impossible. But most of all, it was audacious. And Joshua chose in the middle of his battle to pray an audacious prayer with audacious faith. And can I tell you tonight, if you're in the middle of a battle, if you're in the middle of a fight, now is not the time to give up. If you're in the middle of a struggle, now is not the time to hang your head. If you're in the middle of a war, now is not the time to give in to the enemy and what he wants to do in your life. Now is the time to pray again. Now is the time to lift your head towards heaven and say, Jesus, I need you right now. And so tonight, I want to tell you three things that faith is. And when I, tell, I want to tell you three things that faith is shows us. So if you're taking notes at home or you're taking notes here in the house, point number one is simply this. Audacious faith is vision. Tonight there is nothing that is more spirit-led and there is nothing that is more spirit-filled than to have faith for the impossible. There is nothing more spirit-led than to dream for a better tomorrow, than to hope against hope. In Acts chapter 2, on the day that the church is born, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches the first message to the church and he takes a text from Joel that says this, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Come on, when the spirit is at work in your life, you're dreaming for something bigger. You're hoping for something greater. Can I I tell you this, when you've got vision in your life, it tells me that the spirit is moving in your life. I, I don't know, any, we got any contact wearers in the house? Anybody is just like a little curveball real fast? Any, 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 any contact wearers? A lot of you don't know the struggle that goes with wearing a contact, but I have been wearing contacts in my eyes for years. I, I hate to wear glasses. I, I don't like the way I look, and it really just matters about the way that I look. It's, it's comfort. I mean, it's style over comfort. I've been wearing contacts for a long time, but I also am sometimes, you know, at a younger age, wasn't always the most disciplined. And if you wear contacts, you know that this is a challenge. But sometimes I didn't take my contacts out of my eyes. Oh, man, so much judgment in the house on a Wednesday night. Like, that was so fast. Ooh. All the self-righteous people, you take your contacts out every night. I'm so proud of you. You're awesome. Amen. Grace has, is in the house for us. But hey, I, I had this night where I didn't take my contacts out. And when I woke up the next morning, my eye was real dry. And, and I knew that I needed to get my contacts out and put them in the solution. And so I got the first contact out, put it in the solution. And, and I went to get the contact out of my other eye. And it just like, it wouldn't like come out. And 
So I just, okay, you know, let's try again. And if, you, if you've never had to deal with this, just thank God for your blessings because this is a struggle every day of our life. Contact wears. Let me see it one more time. Any contact wears in the house? Let me know who I'm dealing with, talking to. Y'all don't know the struggle. We know the struggle. The struggle's real. But I, I couldn't seem to get the contact out of my eye. And I would hold my eye open and I would pull on the contact and it would, it would almost come out and then it would pop back into place. I was like, oh man, I've really screwed up. I knew I should have listened to my parents and taken my contacts out. I, I knew I was in trouble and I was with a friend, I was staying with a friend, I was actually working at a church in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and I went to my friend, I was like, bro, I'm, I'm in trouble, I don't know. He's like, what did you do to your eye? It looks like somebody punched you and the eye was all red. I said, man, I can't, get, I can't get my contact out. So he takes me to the ER. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to have to do surgery. I don't know what's going on. And so they lay me under the table, and they put the light on me, and they're you know, checking me out, checking to see where the contact is, and they're looking hard. And I'm like, oh, just get it out. You know? And they're looking harder. And they're like, where did you say it was? And I'm like, it's, it's right there. And they're like, are you sure that you... There was no contact in my. <laughs> At some point during the night, my contact had fallen out and I thought it was still there and I was pulling on the skin of my eye and it's lucky. <laughs> Needless to say, I, I was going to a baseball game <laughs> like two nights later. I had to ask my friend so many times, hey, what's the, what's the score, bro? I can't see a thing out of this eye. My vision was clouded after that moment. But how many know the world can cloud our vision? It can cloud the way that we view the world. It, it, it brings events. It brings moments into our life that makes things blurry. But God wants to bring clarity to our spiritual vision tonight. God wants to reveal to us that something better is coming. Because if we aren't careful, we let the world cloud our minds and our spiritual vision for the life that we know that God has for us. And we do this in this age that we live in by trusting in our talent and trusting in our ability and trusting in our accomplishments and trusting in our resources. But can I tell you, in the day of trouble, just like Joshua, in the middle of the battle, your talent will not save you. Your resources will not stay, save you. Your resources will not be able to sustain you. The only thing that can help you in the day of trouble is your faith in Jesus. And so many times we forget this. I have a habit of, uh, of just forgetting things in my life, like taking my contacts out at night. I have great like long-term memory. If you wanna know something that happened like 10 years ago that's of no value and of no use, come talk to me. But if I need to find something that's very important to me that I misplaced yesterday, there is no chance that I'm going to remember where it is. This recently happened to me and my wife. Uh, my wife has learned that if I ask her to do something, it may or may not get done. If she tells me to do it, like, oh, man, nobody tells me what to do. But she's learned. She's tricked me. She's learned that if she tells me that I can't do it, I'm like, get out of the way. I'm going to get this done. I don't care if it takes all day. And the other day, she was like, hey, you know, I need to go to Walgreens. I would send you, but I know that you would forget what I'm telling you to get. I'm like, get out of my way. I'm going to Walgreens. You can't stop me. 
get out of my way. She's like, look, we need two things. We need diapers and we need formula. I'm like, oh, okay, I got that. I don't see why you said that I can't do that. That seems like a pretty simple task. It's a little insulting, but you know what? You stay home. I got this. I don't know if anybody here is married or you've been through this circumstance, but I got in the car, I'm just, it's like the scene from Home Alone where he's talking under his breath after he burned himself. He's like just talking, and I'm just driving upset, and I'm like, I got this. I get to Walgreens. By the time, and you have to notice about, I have big highs and low lows, and by the time I get to Walgreens, I've already forgotten that I was upset, and I'm just thinking about, you know, it's been a few minutes. I already miss my wife, and she's so awesome. <laughs> I walk into Walgreens, and, and sure enough, at Walgreens, they had, they had just this, like, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than these, like, big balloons and, like, a, like a bear. And I don't know if it was, like, post-Valentine's. I don't know why it was so cheap. It was, like, $20, but roses and none of the things my wife wants from Walgreens. <laughs> I was like, you know what? you know what, she hasn't had flowers in a long time. I'm going to get this for her. And so I remember getting in and getting some other stuff and getting in the car and coming back home. And on my way back home, I was so proud of myself just for being a great husband. Like I was buying her the flowers, but I was proud of me for just being a great guy and just being so awesome and thinking about her always, even when she's mad at me and she gripes at me, but I'm just such a great husband. and I'm so awesome. I walk in the door with big old stuffed bear and which she hates, by the way. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Flowers, <laughs> roses, a car. So proud of myself. And she's like, wow, you know, that's really, really sweet. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> she's like, did you get the diapers and the formula? I was like, I'll be right back. I mean, just give me like... <laughs> You see, I had heard what she told me. I just didn't do it. You see, I heard the right thing, but I didn't remember to do the right thing. For whatever reason, I heard what she had said, but I was distracted and I forgot and I didn't do what I promised that I would do. The second point tonight here is this, audacious faith is the foundation. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7 a story, and Jesus tells this story about two men. The Bible tells us that he, he tells this story, and he says these two men were given instructions on how to build a home. But one person built his house on the rock the way he was told to build it, and the other built his house on the sand. And it doesn't really make sense to me because they both had the same instructions, both had a desire to build something. Both had a desire to build a house and they both hear the same instructions but they build their house in two distinctly different ways. One man hears the words and does them and the other guy hears the word but doesn't do them. And I don't believe that these guys had different desires. I don't believe one went into the building process saying, I hope this goes great. And the other one saying, I hope this goes bad. Desire wasn't the issue. Desire was not the problem. It wasn't for a lack of skill or knowledge. I mean, they both had the same instructions. 
But tonight, this is why we cannot afford to forget to remember what God has done in our lives. This is why we have to hang on to the truth of God's word. This is why we remind ourselves of the goodness of God. We have to remember what he's done in our lives so we can do what he has told us to do. This is why we do like Jude says and build each up, build each other up in our most holy faith, praying in the spirit. I remember in 2017, I was actually supposed to go on a vacation with Brad and Cass. We were friends and Jaron and Caitlin, we were so excited. And as I remember this hurricane was forming in the Gulf of Mexico, I lived in Houston and I'm a weather nerd, so I was kind of getting a little excited, but then also was like, well, I hope it doesn't mess up my plans to go on vacation, but hey, there's a hurricane building. Like, this is kind of cool. I don't think hurricanes are cool anymore, by the way, just throwing that out there. (laughs) And Hurricane Harvey started to form in the Gulf of Mexico, and I'll never forget, like, telling Cass and Brad, I'm like, hey, we're we're still coming, and they're like, it's forecasted like 50 inches of rain. I'm like, we'll be fine. We'll swim to the airport. It's going to be okay. We're going to go on this trip. Needless to say, we didn't go on this trip and we were stuck in our house for five days and it was crazy and it was awful and water never made it into our house, thank God. But here's what it did. It began to seep into the foundation. And what happened over time is we began to see cracks in the walls because the foundation was moving. And here's what we were trying to do. We were trying to patch up the wall, but we didn't know that there was a foundation problem. And here's what a lot of us are doing when we come to the house of God. We're trying to fix the cosmetics of the house, but the foundation is bad. It wasn't a wall issue, it was a foundation issue. And here is the foundation of who we are and what we do. Our faith in Jesus, the audacious faith that God calls us to have. The rock of our faith is our faith in Jesus. Our stability, it comes from our faith in Jesus. Our strength comes from our faith in Jesus. And the deeper our faith is, the higher we can build. And this is why in 2 Peter... It says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, it says, to add to your faith, goodness. I want you to notice what's at the beginning of this scripture, at the beginning of this scripture, at the beginning of this statement, to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whosoever does not do them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Can I tell you, it starts with faith. Yes, you've got to build up. You've got to add to faith something else, but it all starts with faith. It starts with the right belief. It always starts with the right belief because the right belief leads to the right action and the right action leads to the right feelings. I was just recently given this incredible opportunity and and I sent a message to my friend Torrin Wells. I I sent him a screenshot of my notes and I said, this is just going to be a little humble brag tonight. I'm just going to flex on everybody. But I was recently given the opportunity 
to hang out with Tim Tebow in his house, and it was unbelievable, super cool. If you're wondering how I got in the room, it makes two of us, I don't really know, but I was there <laughs> hanging out with him, and he was just talking to me about reaching people with the gospel. I was wanting to talk about the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the John 3.16, throw a touchdown. But he was talking about reaching people with the gospel, and he said he was having a conversation with somebody who was telling him he was telling him, he said, you know, I believe that Jesus, he was, a good, he was a good dude, he was a prophet, but I just can't believe that he rose from the dead. And Tebow told me, he said this, he said, there's no way that he can be a good dude and be a liar. <laughs> he said, there's no way that Jesus can claim to be the son of God, to claim from rise from the dead and, and be lying about it and still be a good dude. He's either the greatest deceiver or he is the savior of the world. And I've just come to believe tonight that Jesus is who he says he is, that he rose from the dead, that yes, he died on the cross, but three days later he got up again. Tonight I'm here to remind you and I'm here to build up your faith and remind you that our faith in Jesus is the foundation of everything. And while faith is the foundation, it's not the destination. So point number three is this, audacious faith is a vehicle. So too many times I've noticed that too many churches and pastors with well-meaning hearts have not on purpose, but have misrepresented the goal of faith. Our goal many times has been just to get people to this place where they confess with their mouth and they believe in their heart that, that Jesus rose from the dead and we're so happy that we get them to that moment and that's where we stop. Our hope is that we can get them to just put their faith in Jesus, but that is not where we're supposed to stop. That's where we're supposed to start. We often think that having faith in God is the destination of our journey. No, no, no. Can I tell you, faith is the vehicle that's going to get you to your destination. Faith is your transportation to the life that God has for you. Tonight, faith is, it's, it's a vehicle, it's transportation, so just just roll with me for a second. Faith is like a car. And just like a car gets you from one place to the next, your audacious faith is going to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. In fact, we believe that so much at this house that our mission statement at Christian Life Austin is this. We are a church that loves you where you are and helps move you to where God wants you to be. We believe this. Living a life of faith is about movement. It's not about staying where you are and staying in your comfort zone and staying just comfortable where you're at. It's about stepping out and stepping in. It's about going to the next place because it is a journey. Why do you think we call it a faith journey? Because it's not a journey to faith. It's a journey of faith. But I'm afraid tonight some of us use faith like we use a car. Tonight, I, I just want to call it, I, I've called it in my notes. This is, took a lot of study and time, so just, just hang with me. But I, I like to call it Corvette faith. <laughs> Some people like to have a nice car that sits in their driveway or their garage, and when people come over, they like to get it out and show it off. It's impressive but it's not really used very much. And you and I both know people like this, and if you don't, it's probably you. But when they show up to church, their faith is strong. 
Amen, pastor. Oh, he can do it again. Oh, I love God. He's awesome. My faith is strong. It looks great, but at home, it's criticism. It's negativity. It's complaining. It's gossip. Can I tell you, the purpose of the car is not to show it off. The purpose of the car is to get you somewhere in life. Faith was not to be lived out. Faith was not meant to be just lived out in church. It's where we're strengthened. We got to come together. And how many know in the last year we've learned more than ever, we need church. We need the house of God. We need to be in the house hearing preaching. But it's only so we can go out and get that car on the road. I preach to young adults all the time, and I just believe the church has told them that the world is a highway that's a scary place. And if you just avoid the right people, your faith will stay nice and shiny. Man, I want to encourage you to know that your faith was meant to get out on the road. Your faith was built to be in godless places. Your faith was built to sustain in a life of trouble and a life of chaos. It was not meant to give you to shield you from life. So let your faith carry you. Then there's uber faith. <laughs> we like to use faith like, like we use Uber. I don't have my own car, but I will let someone else get me there. We depend on someone else's faith to get us where we need to go. Come on, now more than ever, we need to have our own faith. We need to have our own belief system. We need to know what we believe when it comes to the gospel. We need to know that we believe Jesus is who he says that he is. And I just had a conversation at breakfast uh, just a week ago. And he was telling me about a, a pastor that he knew had messed up. And the more he talked about it, the more this like started beating in my head that we have too many people putting their faith in other people's faith. Putting our faith in a pastor or a friend or a family member. Can I tell you, your faith is meant to carry you. <laughs> Romans chapter 12 Verse three says we all have our own vehicle. <laughs> We've all been given a measure of faith. That tells me that I have what I need to make it in this world. Guess what? I don't need another pastor or another friend or another family member. I need to have my own faith to get where God has called me to go. God has given me everything I need. And guess what? People may let me down. The church may let me down. A pastor may let me down. But I can tell you who's not going to let me down. The son of God. Jesus has got my back. I can trust in him and my faith is in him then the last faith is my favorite it's the bmw faith <laughs> it's my faith is better than your faith <laughs> oh you drive a kia soul <laughs> i don't know if you noticed but i'm driving a bmw because i've made all the right decisions and you're driving that kia soul well Mainly because your credit is awful, but, but look at where I'm at. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If anybody has a Kia Soul here tonight, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've owned a Kia Soul for about three years, okay? So I'm making fun of <laughs> me. Look at my faith. Look at what God has done for me. Look how awesome I am. When I worked offshore, I had a BMW, and then God struck me down and, gave, and made me a youth pastor and gave me a brown Kia Soul. It wasn't just brown. It wasn't just a Kia Soul. 
but my wife gets car sick and sometimes she has to drive. Then you should hear the car, the, the car honk because when we pulled up one time, I'll never forget, we pulled up to a young adult service, all these cool people hanging out, motorcycles, everybody, and we pull up and I'm sitting over here totally emasculated in the, in the passenger seat and we drive in and Annie's honking on the horn and the brown Kia Soul is probably the lowest moment of my <laughs> life. <laughs> But how many know that God wants to do something with your life? God wants to do something special with who you are. And I've just decided this in my own life. And I pray that you've made this decision too in 2021. I've decided that I'm in for the ride. I don't know where we're headed. I don't know where we're going, but I'm getting in the car with Jesus. I don't know what lies ahead. I don't know what's going to happen. But can I tell you this? I'm going to let faith lead the way. I don't need to know where the journey is going to take me. I just know that I've got what it takes to get there. You know, I, I, I read this the other day. They say that when, when people get addicted to gambling, they actually are addicted to the feeling, not of winning or losing. They're addicted to the feeling of not knowing what the outcome is right before that card flips. Can I encourage you to get addicted to not knowing where God is going to take you? Get addicted to living a life by faith and not by sight. I'm not comparing a life of faith to gambling, but I am saying you might not know where you are headed, but it is a sure bet that God is going to get you there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 tells us that Abraham set out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith, he got there. I don't know about you, but when I look back over my life, I'm so thankful that my faith in Jesus got me to this moment. I had dreams, I had hopes, I had prayers, but I don't know if I ever thought that I would get there. It wasn't until I put my faith in Jesus and said, I don't know where this thing is going to go when I begin to move forward in my Life. So that's what faith is, but now I want to show you what faith shows us. So faith shows us three things. It shows us what's in our hand. It shows us what's in our house. And it shows us what's in our heart. So in Exodus, Moses is standing in front of a burning bush. As the bush is on fire, the voice of God speaks to Moses. Now, for all that we can see, Moses seems like a pretty insecure guy. But Moses hears the voice of God, realizes it's God. The bush is on fire. It's not being consumed. All right, there's a lot of factors here. And insecure Moses starts talking back to God. <laughs> he must not have been that insecure. <laughs> but he's face to face with God and as God is telling him and speaking things over his life and telling him what he's going to do who he's going to be he's standing there with the lack of faith in himself but here's what that tells me a lack of faith in myself and a lack of faith in Moses revealed Moses's lack of faith in God when we don't trust the word of God that is spoken over our lives. Here's what we're saying. We don't have faith in what God has promised us. But in the middle of this conversation of God speaking to Moses, telling him he's going to be amazing, he's going to lead the people 
out of Egypt. Moses has this conversation with him. And then God asks him a question, what's in your hand? See, Moses was standing there with something that he thought was probably insignificant. He was standing there with something that he just leaned on from time to time, something that was not really a part of his world, he thought was a part of his life, but it was something that was in his hand. Can I tell you, when God calls you, when he places his hand on you, when he speaks things over your life, he's always gonna ask you what's in your hand. Your talent, your gift, your ability, The thing that he's already placed in your hand is the thing that he wants to use to help bring deliverance to other people. And so many times we don't even notice our our talent. We don't notice our ability. We don't notice the things that are in our life that God can use. So when we have faith in God, he shows us what's in our hand. And then in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a woman with two sons Her husband has died, no hope for a future. The man of God shows up. She's in a desperate situation with no hope. If she doesn't have something quick to pay off the debt, she's gonna lose her sons. She tells the prophet, she tells the man of God, I need something. And the man of God responds, what do you have in the house? Here's what I've learned in my life. God wants to use me, but he doesn't want to just use me. He wants to use my family. I am not separate from my family. God wants to use my marriage. God wants to use my kids. Can I tell you today, maybe you're in this place and your marriage feels broken. God wants to use your marriage. Maybe you're in the house and your kids are lost and you feel like there's no hope. Can I tell you, God is asking you today, what do you have in the house? God wants to use your marriage. He wants to use your children to make a difference in the world. You see, there's something in my hand. There's something in the house. But then there's something in my heart. 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jonathan is stuck fighting a battle. His dad is laying under a pomegranate tree, but he's got his armor bearer with him. And they've been stuck for a while. And the the Bible tells us that there's 20 Philistines up on higher ground. And they're stuck. They, They can't go down. They can't go up. So Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says, look, you can go read it in 1 Samuel chapter 14. He says, the Lord can save by many or he can save by few. In other words, it can be a large army, we can have the right resources, we can have the right talent, or or maybe it's not that. It's just me and you, we got one sword, 20 Philistines, if we stay here, we're gonna die. If we go up, we're gonna die. And then he says a phrase that's so interesting to me. He, He says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. 
It's just a maybe. There's no guarantee that when I step out with audacious faith, that when I step out and pray that prayer for that sick loved one, there's no guarantee that when I step out in faith to start that business or step out in faith believing for that ministry, there is no guarantee that it's gonna work out. But, but just, just maybe. You see, if all I've got is a maybe, that's enough with God, and that's truly the definition of audacious faith. God, you don't have to guarantee me anything. Just give me a chance. And on that day, they stepped up. They threw the Hail Mary. And the armor bearer said something to Jonathan. He said, whatever is in your heart to do, you do it. Because I'm with you, heart and So you see, when we come to this moment where we need audacious faith, it always reveals our heart. It reveals what God wants to do in our lives. And in that audacious faith, they brought down the favor of God. You know why? Because audacious faith honors God and God honors audacious faith. Tonight, you may feel like a fool believing for something great, believing for something amazing, Believing for something that if you told someone else, they would think you're silly, they would think you're funny, but you might feel like a fool, but can I tell you, you will be in some good company when you step out in faith. <laughs> Noah built a boat in the desert with no water. Dumb. <laughs> Joshua and the children of Israel walk around Jericho blowing trumpets. Sounds pretty foolish. David charged after a giant with a sling. Absolutely dumb. Peter got out of the boat in the middle of the sea. Dumb again. Jesus stripped naked and hung up on the cross looking foolish to the world. But the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from a flood. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. The giant fell flat on his faith and was defeated. Peter walked on water. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. You wanna know why? Because audacious faith honors God and God honors audacious faith. Tonight I told the story of the armor bearer because we're not supposed to identify with Jonathan. You know why the armor bearer has no name? You can go read this story because it's me and it's you. You see, Jonathan points us to Jesus in the same way that Jonathan climbed a hill with a sword in faith and was willing to kill to save others. Jesus climbed another hill armed not with a sword, but with a cross. And he didn't take a man's life, but he laid down his life so that you and I might live a life of audacious faith. Oh, let's stand all across the building. They're about to sing, but I want to leave you with this. We could tell story after story of audacious faith. And and Paul even says this in Hebrews. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith 
conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead raised back to life. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what we have been promised. And since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, they might be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and every sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, you walk out of this place knowing that God is with you, he's for you, and you can put your faith in him. One more time, let's just walk out of this place putting our hands together saying, thank you, Jesus.